0: Uh, Coach, what do you expect in Game 7 on Wednesday? I expect us to win. What's your prediction
1: for the fight, then? Prediction? Yes, prediction. Pain.
2: I like that one even better than Claude's answer. Mm-hmm. Bruins, Canadians, tomorrow night at the TD Garden, Game 7. Uh guy who will be part of our pre- and post-game coverage and is uh, just coming back from Montreal right now is the play-by-play announcer for the Boston Bruins. Jack Edwards joins us on the at and Hotline. Hey, Jack.
1: Dale, have you slept at all? Heck I mean, no. You're on the radio or you or you're doing the host thing on Nessun, and my goodness. What a what a good job you've been doing, boy.
2: Well, thank you. I I Real good. I can't wait for tomorrow night. Now, last night I was a little depressed, but Brick talked yeah. me off the ledge and Brick yeah. said this is a great opportunity.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no doubt and you have to feel that way and for those of you who wake up to uh something on your on your iPhone or something like that, I would Highly recommend the U2 tune Desire because it begins with a very loud chord and uh, it'll get you going for where the Bruins need to be mentally and emotionally tomorrow night. And and I think we're going to see that kind of ridiculous nuclear effort from the Bruins that we saw from Montreal last night.
2: The question is, did we not see it last night and why not?
1: Uh, It's uh, the human condition. I... Would love to say that uh, you can put the formula into your computer and hit return, and it's going to come out the same way every time. The team appeared to be ready to go, but Montreal got an early break on the miscue off of Kevin Miller's stick, and the surge that they got out of the crowd and the energy that they rode was enough to get them by. You know, it was a closer game. Then the final score indicates because 35 minutes into the game it was still a 1-0 game, and the Bruins were in the second period, which has been a bad period for the Bruins all year long. The Bruins were storming the Montreal end. they just weren't able to finish. And if you look at that side of it, you can't get too upset until you look at what happened after that. And then, and yeah, they made mental mistakes, they made physical mistakes. Montreal won a lot of races to pucks. And ultimately, Montreal's desire to win was greater than Boston's last night. So that's where the Bruins need to go. And I'm convinced that's where they're going to go.
3: So, Jack, I'm assuming you came back with the team? Were you with the team, around the team, the last night, maybe no, this morning? No,
1: you know, we don't travel with the team in the playoffs. So okay. uh, the last we saw them, we were still doing our post game, and they were headed onto the bus. And most of them were trying to keep their chins up, but they were clearly upset and determined. But... Again, this is a pretty even-keeled team. There's not a lot of display of emotion in the room right. after games, even after big overtime wins. They're just they're not ready to celebrate anything until there's a handshake line, and uh, they're not going to get uh, too disturbed about uh, what was universally received as a bad performance. And uh, they're, they're pretty good at flushing it and getting on with it. So that's, At least that's what they were saying last night, and their track record bears that out pretty well.
3: So, Jack, let me ask you, pick one Bruin for Game 7 that needs to give the team more than he has to this point. Who is that critical guy going into Game 7, in your opinion?
1: It's David Krejci. It's David Krejci. It's the guy who's led the NHL playoffs and scoring through the last three years, and he's been taking baby steps, and he was a little bit closer in Game 6 than he was in Game 5. and Game 7, he's got to get over the top. He's got to have one of those games where he's the master of time and space, and all of a sudden Lucic has great opportunities, and again, is there for tip-ins, and uh, both of those big wingers are crashing the net, and Krejci's getting defensemen involved in the cycle. Uh, Bruins forward's coming out high, something Brick was talking about earlier today on EEI, and uh, it's, it's really important for David Krejci to be that master of time and space again. And uh, that's the difference between a star and a superstar because a superstar rises to it in a Game 7 situation, and Krejci's done it before.
0: Jack, I want your analysis of these goaltenders. Give me the tail of the tape between Tuka Rask and Carey Price.
1: Flip a coin, different styles. Price is more upright. Uh, Rask takes away the bottom of the goal a little bit earlier, but both stupendously effective, have been huge at all levels of competition. Uh, that one is really a push, as opposed to tonight's seventh game, where you see uh, Mark Andre Fleury, who could be great and frequently is terrible against Henrik Lundqvist, who I think has won five game sevens in a row or something ridiculous like that. So at home, at least uh, he, you know, he, he's he's really tremendous. You know, the game is in Pittsburgh, but uh, you'd have to go you'd have to go with Lundqvist in terms of goaltending tomorrow night. Flip a coin, but. On the other hand, I've never seen a goalie who couldn't be beaten, uh, including Tim Thomas. So if the Bruins bring the weight to bear in the Montreal end, enough of the night, and that is a matter of winning every race and and winning every puck battle and living in the moment and not thinking about anything else in the universe while that game is going on, uh, I I think they're going to find a way to beat Price enough times to win the series.
2: You know, the area where I think the Canadians have really excelled in this series so far is frustration. They've frustrated the Bruins at every turn. And just look at the final 30 seconds of last night's game as further indication. And Claude kind of touched off a little bit about, you know, we're perceived as the bad guys here. And then he talked about the trip and the, and the crotch shot from, from uh, Markov and the slew foot uh, against Marchand. They have really frustrated the Bruins.
1: Yeah, they have, and they've done it legitimately as well uh, during play because Montreal's really good at winning those three-step races, a little scramble for the puck in uh, in short order. The Bruins have team speed that easily can stay with the Canadians and maybe even is superior to them when you add the impetus of, of having the weight that the Bruins can, can bring to bear against Montreal. Uh, a lot of the attacking zone time indicates that, but Montreal's able to score off the rush, so the Bruins set up In Kerry Price's end of the ice, get a couple of chances, Uh, maybe uh, one hits the post or there's a blocked shot, and then Montreal scores off the rush, right? So that's immensely frustrating to the Bruins. On the other hand, we've seen this core for Boston really grow up over the years and be able to accept sometimes what seems like a, an unfair determination by the hockey gods and move past it and, and continue to look forward to the next moment and not dwell on the last one, whether it was good or bad. And in this series, there's been a lot more bad than good as, as far as the Bruins are concerned.
3: So, Jack, we spent a, quite a bit of time today actually talking about Chara. Um, if you heard Brick this morning, then you know Brick feels that Chara needs to play better here in Game 7 What do you want to see from Chara that perhaps you haven't, or maybe maybe there's nothing? I don't know. I'm curious to hear your opinion on that.
1: Every time it gets really vitally important, in other words, win or you're done, I go back to what Peter Cirelli wrote in the note, Zdeno Chara, before Game 7 in Vancouver in 2011. Keep it simple. Play the simple game. If Chara plays the simple game, if he returns to what he is, which is the best shutdown defenseman of his era and looks at everything he can contribute in the attacking zone as bonus and not try to dangle the puck, not try to make fancy moves or blind passes or try to be the half-ball guy who, who sets up stuff on the power play but rather just tries to be the muscle, things are going to work out just fine. It's uh, when Charlie gets away from that that his game begins to deteriorate slightly because he's not a finesse player. He is uh, the greatest brute force of his age, and that doesn't diminish him in any way. In fact, it makes him a unique player in his day and age. But that's what he's got to do. Just do that. No more, but that's a lot to do.
0: Is there anything that you've seen from Montreal here that's a bit – Uh, maybe surprising is not the right word, out of character. I mean, I I looked at the hits that they delivered to the Bruins in game three, and I said, wow, pretty impressive. And I thought the same thing last night. That's not supposed to be their calling card. Uh, Maybe that's it, or is it something else that jumps out at you, Jack?
1: Well, if you've been watching Montreal over the last couple of years since they flushed their management team and brought in Mark Bergevin, there has been a direct concerted effort to win their way out of the division. The Bruins have been the preeminent team in the formerly Northeast and now Atlantic Division in the NHL for the last few years. And if you want to get to the Stanley Cup final, you know you have to go through Boston. Montreal was a little bit too lightweight, a little bit too flimsy, not muscular enough. And the hitting that the Canadiens have done is a direct result of changing the personnel and making adaptations. Without giving up too much of their quickness, without giving up too much of their skill, they've become just tough enough to give the Bruins real problems when you combine that toughness with their, their quickness and their talent, their ability to cash in on their chances. And the fact that they have a great goalie certainly doesn't hurt either. Uh, I don't know if there's, there's been too much that surprised me about Montreal. Uh, this is a team that's been getting better for a couple of years, and they feel this is their time. Uh, I feel that they're not quite there, but I've been wrong before. You never know.
2: Jack, do you get the impression that the Bruins are are almost too obsessed with the idea of the top half of the net? We're seeing so many crossbars hit, so many shots over the net, that they're almost too obsessed with it as opposed to just hitting the net somewhere?
1: It's good observation. (laughs) You know, we go back to just keeping it simple, right? Just fire it in there. It seems as if they've had so many opportunities where they've been able to think that thinking is a bad thing, just to trust their instincts, just to go with the mental imagery that some of them, maybe all of them practiced before the games, just to get the puck on their stick and let their mind's eye find the opening and, and fire it in there without clicking through the options and saying, yeah, that's right, price goes down, so i got to lift it up. It's amazing the, the enormous number of, of open opportunities they've had on which they have not cashed in. Uh, But, as we've said before on this very program, you know, if it hits the post, it might as well be in the upper deck. It's a missed shot. It doesn't even count as a shot on goal. So keep it simple. Fire it in there. Uh, But even beyond that, the most important thing for the Bruins tomorrow night is to go into every moment with the mindset that they have to win this puck battle, that they've got to win this race. And even if they fail in their effort, the intensity and pursuit of the puck past the top, what Montreal did last night. How many times did you see the Bruins put the puck in the neutral zone or approaching the attacking line and you saw three or even four Canadians right around that Bruin? Three whacks with the sticks just to try to dump the puck deep. That kind of resistance, making Montreal fight for every inch as Montreal made the Bruins fight for every inch last night, is what's going to be required to win Game 7. Uh,
3: Jack, so Claude, game seven here. I would. I had said earlier that it seems to me. I mean, I know every series means a lot to him, but the Canadians in particular seem to float his boat. Um, do you get that sense at all, being around him?
1: Uh, it's it's something that you could read in that. But the man wants to win every single game. He wants to go eighty-two and zero in the regular season. He is such an extraordinarily dedicated. Uh, man at his craft, that he feels that every game is winnable. Um, maybe we notice it more against Montreal because the rest of us have emotional baggage. Mm-hmm. It seems to me as if Claude has gotten past it, uh, that you know he, he still feels indebted to the Montreal organization for giving him his first head coaching job in the NHL. I don't see Claude getting too worked up when the Bruins beat New Jersey, even though New Jersey whacked him for no good reason, much to the Bruins' benefit. Uh, I don't notice him wanting it anymore in Montreal, although that was uh, his starting point as an NHL head coach. Uh, He certainly wants it, and it certainly means a lot to him. But on the other hand, he gets really upset when the Bruins don't beat the Florida Panthers, too.
2: (laughs) Jack, I began the program by quoting the immortal Herb Brooks, Great moments are born from great opportunities. (laughs)
1: Yes, they are. And I'll I'll throw another uh, Herb Brooks quote at you. They'll take you to their bleeping grave. (laughs) (laughs) That is
2: another good one, actually. Jack, I'll see you at the rink tomorrow. Thanks.
1: Awesome, Dale. I can't wait.
2: See ya. That is uh, the voice of the Boston Bruins on Nesson, Jack Edwards. Uh, By the way, another uh, part of our our Nesson telecasting crew is going to make a Dale and Holly debut tomorrow. Uh, Jamie Erdall is going to join us live at West End Johnny's and uh, we'll Jamie talk hockey nice with us. Job. She's really good. She yep. does. And Fantastic. Sh- she's going to join us from 3 to 4 tomorrow at West End Johnny's as we uh, try to get people ready for Game 7. I- you coming down to J- West
0: End Johnny's tomorrow,
3: Jackie McMillan? I'm working the game, so uh, actually, well. yeah. you know what? By. I got to round the horn. Maybe I'll do a little pregame with you guys there. Sure. Perfect. There you go. Yeah.
0: Come by have a have a beer. You can have a beer before oh, work. Right? No, I
3: can't. You loosens you up.
0: Talk. That's no. Wait a minute. That's it's not against the rules.
3: Michael, remember when you and I first met? And I used to tell you about one of my veteran, one of my favorite veteran sports writers, who always went over to fours and had a glass of wine, or sometimes two, before work. And I thought, how on earth is he clever enough to do that? And I told you, I'm not clever enough to do that, so <laughs> I've never tried it.
0: It would bring a different dimension. Uh, you know, you, we don't
3: right. need that dimension. You're right. We don't need that dimension. I don't know.
0: Very it could well. be a lot of
2: fun. It'd be it'd be fun to watch.
3: But I then think. again,
0: we did see Joe Haggerty's situation. So I, yeah, I, I that, guess no, i do not want to maybe we don't just need to do that. Just tired. Really, really tired. Oh yeah, tired. Tired. Real tired. Come on. That's just a bad excuse. You can't do that.
2: 779 nine seven ninety three seven is the telephone number. The AT&T text line is 37937. three seven. Right back to your calls on the other side. Dale and Holly and Jackie McMullen, Sports Radio W E E I.